Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Friends in podcast land, and welcome to episode 118 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. Now, we had planned to take a little bit of a break from the podcast for July, just to kind of recharge your batteries a little bit for the busy Whitecaps month that is coming up in August. Eight games coming up, going to be really super busy. So we thought, have a bit of a quiet time in, in July. But this is actually going to be the first of three, possibly even four, podcasts this week. Yep, we're just going to be bombarding your iPlayer, MP3, iTunes, whatever you're listening to this on, with a variety of subjects as well. Now we're going to kick things off with two Women's World Cup wrap-up shows. This is the first of them, and the reason that we're doing two podcasts is I think we're, we're not going to have some people that want to listen to this episode We're going to split things up between players and pundits. So in this episode, we're going to talk to a number of players from the World Cup winning US Women's National Team. And obviously, most of our audience is Canadian fans, and some of them may not want to listen to happy Canadian players, especially with some of the players that we've got coming up in the show. Then tomorrow, or possibly the day after, we'll kind of see how things go, we're going to then bring out episode 119, and that's going to be us talking to Harjit Jahal, Grant Wall, and Daniel Squizato about a number of things about this World Cup, the future, and also a little Gold Cup preview as well. But enough of the waffling, let's get down to business. And I think there's no better way to, to kick this show off by the, the star of the World Cup final on Sunday here in Vancouver, American captain, hat-trick heroine, Carly Lloyd. Now a lot of the stuff you're going to hear in this podcast is coming from the, the Fox Sports Studios down at Jackpool Plaza beside the Olympic Flame. They had a special post-World Cup celebration all 23 members of the American women's team arrived at the studio there. They got presented with jerseys with three stars on it, lots of celebrations, lots of chat, a lot of American fans in attendance as well, as you'll, you'll kind of hear from the background noise. And the, the players had a little mix zone, so we got a chance to, to talk to a number of them and a number of other people that were kind of hanging around as well. But Carly Lloyd was one of the the players that that we spoke to. So let's hear now from her talking about how it feels for her now 
I mean, it's not even 24 hours since she, she scored that hat-trick in, in the World Cup final. First ever woman to score a World Cup final hat-trick. And has it sunk in yet? How is she feeling? And how is she going to cope with all this newfound attention that she's got and just kind of make the adjustment to, to going back to club level? So let's hear now from Carly Lloyd. Okay, the very newspaper, you're on every newscast. You're going to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Um, what, what do you think about I mean, have you allowed yourself to think about that at all? Not really. I mean, I know that it's, it's all great, and, uh, you know, I credit all my hard work um, you know I, I've just just been grinding away day and day um, but at the same time there's still room for improvement there's still bigger and better things that I can accomplish and uh, at the end of the day I'm gonna have to ride this wave for a short time and then come back down to earth again and wait for the uh, Olympic cycle. Carly, you know your life has changed. Yeah I think it's definitely <laughs> gone to another level. I'm not sure I'm ready for that but uh, it's great. You've always used this sort of perceived slights to motivate yourself. Now that that as Kevin just said you are the, you know you're the probably the most popular soccer player in America maybe today the most famous athlete in America at this point. Do you think that are you concerned at all that, that would affect your motivation uh, going forward or not? No because uh, I think there there will be more. Um, Maybe more goals scored in the next World Cup and um, another World Cup added to that. But I think my trainer and I, James and I, have have continued to, to break barriers, have continued to set the bar even higher. And I know that when I come back, start training with him again, he'll tell me what's the next next task at hand. Don't drop it. What is it an hour or so before game time when you're sitting there? I mean, what's going through your head in terms of, like, is it a... Hey, I'm going to go out there and prove everybody wrong. Is it like this specific thing that, you know, I remember that you know, four years ago or something? It's just a multiple of things. I think throughout the tournament, um, just constantly visualizing, you know, just training, going out there and, and playing like an underdog and uh, turning the jets on and defending and winning the aerial dominance, uh, aerial presence in the field and shooting, taking people on. Um, all the stuff that I bring to the game is, is kind of what I'm visualizing. And these last few nights leading up to the final, um, you know, I caught myself just constantly thinking about it. Just had chills, uh, was super excited, super anxious. And, you know, I'd wake up, I'd roll out around in bed a little bit, and I'd catch myself dreaming about it again. And, you know, mentally... Um, Mentally, you just you need to be so switched on, and for me, I think that was the biggest difference. When you bear, when you almost scored that fourth goal yesterday, did you think, oh, did you think back to your dream or not in the middle of the game like that? Cause... Yeah, I mean, I think you know, it's probably the easier ones that I missed out of them all. Um, but would have been great to to get that, but you know, maybe the next one, uh, I've, I've sort of gone, you know, one goal, two goals, three, so. <laughs> Maybe the fourth will come. <laughs> Knowing that there's going to be changes to this team by the time France and 19 comes around, what's going to be important for U.S. soccer as a whole to make sure there's not, you know, another slide back or another 16-year, you know, drought? Well, I think we we witnessed that last night. I think, you know, you look at our bench and we've got some unbelievable, talented veterans on that bench: Abby Wambach, Christy Rampone, Shannon Box, and 
I'm not sure of their future. Uh, I'm not going to put words in their mouth, but um, you know they're they're getting towards the end of their career, and we've had players like Morgan Bryan, Julie Johnston, um, Tobin Heath out there, and and other players step up and really prove to this team that they can help win a championship. And I think that that's something special about this group is that we've got the talent, we've got the depth. And now it's just about holding on and, and continuing to push on Isn't and get that better. What separates this team maybe or makes it better than any team the U.S. has had? This, the depth, the, just how deep. Yeah, the depth is, is great. It's important. And at the end of the day, you know, we still need to, we still need to believe in one another. Um, yes, we may not be the, the most technically savvy team, um, but we've got the will, we've got the determination and the fight, and I think those are the most important things. Just following up from that earlier question, like you had to high in the Olympics and then you had to go back to your club. Obviously it's on a much bigger scale this time. How do you flick that switch to go back to club level? Yeah, I could use a... He's use a good vacation right about now, but I'm not so sure that's coming anytime soon. It, you know, it, it's just something that we ought to do. I mean, we're, we're pros. We play year in and year out, and uh, it, it definitely will be different. But at the same point, um, it's important for us to go back and, and do what we need to do and, uh, you know, just continue to keep grinding away. So Carly Lloyd there. Now Carly's going to be a name that is on everyone's lips this week. Don't know how many times she's probably Googled, trending on Twitter, all the TV shows are talking about her, front page news. And it's not the first time she's done it. I mean, she got a couple of goals in the Olympic final in 2012 that that won America that gold medal. So she's definitely a, a, a big game player. And at 32 now, I mean, who knows this probably is going to be her last World Cup finals. She's got the Olympics next year to look forward to as well. And she's a player that I don't know how many people really knew about or really talked about going into this tournament. And this is a player that's got 202 caps for America, dating back to 2005. And like I said, she's probably not been a player that people that don't follow the women's game that closely will have talked too much about. But there are, of course, a couple of American players that everyone talks about all the time. Hope Solo being one of them, not always for footballing reasons, of course. But one of my favourite players on the American team, and not just for footballing reasons, I I have to admit, is Alex Morgan. I I love Alex Morgan. Now, so we got a chance to to speak to her after the finals. A a couple of us managed to, to get some questions to her. So let's hear from Alex Morgan now, just talking about the feeling of winning a World Cup and just what it means to her, the team, and the legacy for the the women's game in America. So here's Alex Morgan. It's incredible, unbelievable, but I dreamt about it. So many girls dreamt about it. Honestly, I thought that we were going to score five goals today, and we did. It's a dream come true, but uh, we're definitely celebrating tonight. You know, there's like the magic of the 99 moment, and then there's the magic of this moment. How do you get this magic to carry over to tomorrow and the professional world and every day after this? I mean, the hope is naturally it carries over to the younger generation, and 
they're the ones that are going to lift us through the next World Cup and the you know three World Cups from now. So it's it's really um, less about us and more about the entire nation coming together. Obviously, sending her out on top. You talked about this. Yeah. You thought about this. What kind of interaction did you have with her after the visit? I mean, me and Abby um, spent a couple minutes sitting down in the locker room as everyone was celebrating, and it was a pretty special moment for me. You know, knowing that um, I actually asked her if it was the last time we were going to play together ever on the field together, starting to tear up, and she said, "No, we have a couple more months together, probably." So um, that made me smile a little bit. But Abby, like I said before, the World Cup final. She's good to this team, and um, I love her so much. She's, you know, such a great friend of mine. And it, it's not only her though. It's honestly some other players like Chris Rampone who um, has worked so hard and is, you know, Captain America to us. So um, it's some of those players that um, we look up to still to this day. How did those uh, set pieces come together? Oh, the set pieces. We honestly we practiced those starting yesterday, and they came together fantastically. I mean, it was. It couldn't have been better on that part, but at the end of the day, whether set pieces or not, whatever um, went on frame went in the goal, and um, that was a difference maker. It was something was on our side today, and that's what that's why we won. Alex, did Carly Carly confirm that she's the best player in the world today? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, Carly confirmed that she is the player you look to at a World Cup, at an Olympics, at a big tournament. Um, she's a player that loves the pressure and and will compete at the highest stage with the most stakes on the line. And, um, you know, I love her as a teammate. She she comes through in the big moments, and honestly, she proved herself to be one of the best players in the world right now at this moment. The team could come through with the, what you did in the last two games against Germany and today. You know what? I think everyone just had this really good feeling today. Um, we were, honestly, it sounds cliche because I've been saying a lot, but we've been building momentum through this tournament, and I knew this was going to be our best game yet, and it was. How much time off do you have now before returning to the club, and is it hard to make that switch to go back to club play? Um, You know, four years ago it was extremely hard, but it was also very emotional. Um, I think it might be easier knowing that we help help helped lift the nation and um, we're all excited to get back to our club teams although we do need about a week's rest at least <laughs> you know I hope there's better attendance rates um, but I hope there's more investment from um, MLS owners from other owners interested from um, sponsorships uh, I, you know I think that it's just important to continue development in the U.S. because you can already see from the semifinals, the four teams um, in the semifinals all had great domestic leagues and I think um, that's a huge thing that people haven't touched on yet. Alex Morgan there, and I, I make no bones about how, how much I, I, I like Alex Morgan. But going from one extreme to the other, I think uh, a player which I don't like, and who is not very popular with Canadian fans in general, Abby Wombach. Kind of like the pantomime villain, 
of this Women's World Cup. And it's like every World Cup needs a, a villain. Whether it's Maradona in 86 punching the ball in the back of the English net. Villain to some. Hero to us in Scotland. David Beckham getting sent off for kicking out against Argentina. Penalty misses. There's heroes and villains in, in every World Cup. To Americans, Abby Wambach, heroine. Star player, captain of the team, the chance of BC Place on Sunday where we want Abby, we want Abby. Not from the Canadian fans though, who they, they haven't liked her anyway because of the American Canadian rivalry in the women's game. Then there was the whole turf lawsuit, which Wombach was kind of like the mouthpiece for. And yep, she, she definitely is a, a polarizing figure in the women's game. But we're going to hear from her now. So if you want to fast forward three minutes, you can maybe do that. But let's hear now from Abby Wombach, who does have a couple of interesting comments to, to make initially about how she wasn't playing. And it, she she kind of, she makes it come across that she didn't really mind, but basically is saying, hey, Joe Ellis was really brave not to play me, but good for her, it worked out. So let's hear now from Abby Wombach. I'm actually at a loss of words at how this whole thing went down. To be quite honest, I, I, I felt like I was in a dream, um, sitting there on the bench, uh, watching Carly Lloyd go off, and I'm just so proud to be on the team and proud to be a part of um, something that, that, in my opinion, is really special. And it wasn't just Carly Lloyd who won the, us this World Cup, although tonight showed us that. You know, our semifinal showed us that she's a huge reason why we have this World Cup title. It's the depth of this team, and it's the ability of, of making those subs in the pivotal moments of, of certain games. Um, I'm just proud of I'm proud of us. I'm proud of our coaching staff for making the hard decisions. You know, it's not easy to not start one of the most decorated goal scorers in the world. But Jill and our coaching staff was confident, and as was I, that person in the players who were starting ahead of me. Um, surreal, four goals in uh, 21 minutes or something. 16. I, 16, I mean, like literally, I don't even know how that happens, especially at a World Cup final. Couldn't be happier for Carly. Um, we can't we can't forget about Lauren Chaney's goal. That was pretty sexy. Yeah. Well, she, she's tried to do it a few times before, um, and I immediately declined. Like, no, it's no big deal. But this time she kind of insisted, you know, like, no, Abby, take this. To be honest, I was just glad we were winning. You know, I mean, in, in, all, in all seriousness, I just, I don't care who has the captain's band. I don't care who lifts the trophy. As long as we won, and I've, I've meant it all along, I would give up all of my individual awards for what we just did tonight, and it's the truth. And it's the wholehearted truth. I was sitting my, my rear end on the bench, watching my team win a World Cup. I choose that over World Player of the Year, over scoring more goals than anybody in the world. I choose winning a World Cup as a team any day. Oh. Was it what you expected, this feeling in the final whistle and raising the trophy? I don't know. I, I literally don't know how I feel. It's, it's a bizarre thing that's going on right now because of the way it kind of happened. You know, the first half, I mean, going into halftime, what do you tell your team? You know, it's four to one. Like, 
you're up by three goals. Like, what do you tell your team? Like, it's one. Of, it's one of those things. So for me, I was just trying to stay intense. It's 0-0, don't let them back in this. We have to play as if it's 0-0 and we need something. Because if we let off the gas, then they make it one goal, they make it two goals, and then they're back all of a sudden in this game. And and that's something we didn't want to let happen, and thankfully I would say she asked how long she was going to get to play with you again after this. I didn't tell her anything. I said I'm going to enjoy tonight, and we will see about tomorrow. Tails and boys and marsupials. Tails and boys and marsupials. Do 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 do. So I'll be one back there. Uh, Canadian fans, you can take your fingers out of your ears now. We've said we don't like Abby Wombach here in the show. Nothing's going to change about that at all. But there is a Wombach that we do really like, and that's her mum, Judy. Now, Judy was at the, the Fox Sports studio on Monday here in Vancouver, just watching her daughter and taking in the whole atmosphere. And we got a chance with a, a couple of others to to have a chat with Judy just after all the things had died down, just to ask her really what it's like to, to be a soccer mum, following your, your daughter around the world, watching games, getting all tense and caught up with it. And I've got to say, she she was a, a lovely woman, really enjoyed talking to her. Not a very long chat, but let's hear now from Abby Wombach's mum, Judy Wombach. What do you think about whether Abby would attend to go to the Olympics or not? What do you, what's your impression? Do you think she'll try to give it another shot, or is this the way to go out? Well, because we have so much fun doing this, I would hope that she would, but she has always said they have to want her to. So it all depends on the circumstances at the time, if she's healthy and if they want her. <coughs> you know, there's a lot of young, beautifully talented women behind her now that can take the reins and and be successful. If this is it, what does it mean to you to see her go out on a, on a high like this? Well, this is something, and I've said it before, this is a dream come true for her. And as a mom, you love to see your children uh, have dreams. And to dream big, you tell them that all the time. And then when they achieve the dream of a lifetime, it's it's over the moon. Wonderful. What would it be like if, to stop going to soccer games after all these years? Would that be tough? We've got we have, 22 grandkids. <laughs> 22 grandchildren that, that play soccer and lacrosse and what have you. So we d- we won't be stopping. missing stopping it anyway. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you said, said it's fun watching these games. It's obviously fun when it's four goals up within a yes. 15, 60 minutes. But in the more tense games, what's it like as a parent watching your daughter? It's the most stressful thing I've ever gone through. <laughs> I go in, I start stressing out in the morning of the game, and by the time I'm at the stadium, I'm a mess. So so as soon as we can at least score one goal, it makes it easier to live through. But some of those games have been real nail biters. what she said about you the other day? No. At this press conference Friday, she said, "She said, I'm not saying this because uh, I'm frustrated that I'm not playing. I'm saying it because it's taking years off my life on the bench." She says, "She says now I know how my parents." Do. She <laughs> meant it too. She meant it too. She said the same thing to me. I remember that. It was, and now I and I said to her, you know, now you know what it's like to sit there patiently and whatever. Thanks a lot. Thank, you, thank, you, thank you very much. much. Congratulations. Thanks, thanks for Enjoy coming. your day. Oh, yeah. Now we talked about the the old guard and the American team, but. 
there's a, a good young crop of talent coming through the American ranks just now. The core of the team are in their mid-twenties. And there's a, there's a couple even younger as well. Now, the youngest girl on the team is 22-year-old midfielder Morgan Bryan. And then the second youngest is defender Julie Johnston. Now, Julie Johnston had a... A pretty eventful tournament, really. She started off with a string of really top defensive performances, some really good tackles, some great defensive play, and it kind of helped the US get get along the way. A lot of folk will remember her in this tournament for the penalty that she gave away against Germany, which Germany subsequently missed, and you could tell just how distraught she was at the time with giving that away. She also scored an own goal in the final, but I don't really think you can hold that against her because that was just very, very unlucky. But overall throughout the tournament, I was very impressed by Johnson. She was one of the, the young players. She plays for Chicago Red Stars and NWSL, and she's someone that definitely has a very bright future, I think, for, for this American national team. 19 caps and 3 goals so far, and she's going to be one of the, the core defensive pieces going forward into the Olympics and then into the 2019 World Cup in France. So we got a chance to speak to Julie at this Fox Sports thing today. A couple of questions to start with from our friend Harjit Jahal. And you're going to hear more of her in the next episode of the podcast where we sit down and have a, a good 15-minute chat with her just about the, the whole tournament in general. So I should just ask a, a couple of questions at the start and then I just have a chat with Julie just about her tournament the, the legacy, what it was like for her as a young girl watching the, the 99 team win. She was so young at the time. And just what she feels for the, the future. And and as we've been asking all the girls, just how easy it's going to be to, to go back to playing club soccer. So let's hear now from Julie Johnston. Julie, what will this win do for the development of women's soccer in the United States? I hope it does a lot because I know with the 99ers, that was huge for me as a young player growing up. And I hope that for us as a team and the She Believes that we can get younger girls to believe just kind of like we did. And um, if, if this could, and one of the biggest things for us was to have that happen and help them, you know, in the future and if, if we, that's what we were hoping for. You mentioned the 99ers, do you think this current team will be compared to the 99ers going forward? Uh, maybe in the sense of uh, a World Cup win, but I think every team that wins has a different story. So I think we have a different story, but we also same, we share a star um, and we knew that the 99ers were rooting for us, um, just like the 91s were rooting for the 99ers and um, that's us for the future as well. We want this team, um, it's a tradition, it, it's, um, it's just the way the team is and, and we want that to go on for a long time. Thank you. You were really, you were really young when the, the team won in '99, seven or eight. I mean, what's, what's your memory of that time? Um, you know, probably very small. I, I watched the 99er documentary, my first U.S. camp I ever went to, um, which definitely helped a lot. I remember the the final game um, when I was seven for sure as, as the biggest moment that that comes to my to my head. But. Um, Getting to meet the 99ers as my career went on. I played with uh, Brandy was college uh, volunteer coach. Uh, Leslie played there, and now I'm playing with some of them. It, it's pretty remarkable, and it, and it makes it even more meaningful to win this, um, having them and their support um, there. And I know it wouldn't have felt like it at the time, but with the penalty incident against Germany, that actually seems to be maybe the thing that kick-started the team and just gave you an extra push to, to go and get the job done. 
Well, can, can you if that's the money, no, you have to. And that's what the team had told me to do. They said um, I couldn't dwell on it right after it happened. Um, there was too much game left. Um, and that's the beauty of this team is, is that's what it is. It's a team. And um, they really helped me through that. And um, I told myself in the beginning of um, this tournament that I – didn't want to regret anything, and any mistake that happened is I needed to make sure to try to take it in a positive thing as to learn from it so that it never happens again. And um, to have the team support and really push me through um, some hard times um, makes this even more enjoyable. And for, for you personally, you had a really good tournament from start to finish. I mean, how, how do you look back at your own personal tournament? I haven't really, I think, looked individually yet, to be honest. It's hard to sing in at the moment. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I, I just, right now I feel like all I'm really thinking about it is, is the team win and everything and, and maybe when I can go back, um, look back at things that I think I'm just really hard on myself so I'll go back and see what I could have done better and I feel like that's what I want to do for this team is play better for them and do anything so now it's just time to celebrate it and be a team and be together. When do you head back to your club now and is it going to be difficult making that like flicking that switch to change from all these cries in this atmosphere to playing at club level. Um, I know that we go back pretty soon as season's still going on now. Um, but with the support that the team had for us to come here and leave and and how well they've done um, continuously as we've been on this journey and um, you know that's just we go back and the support and and that's another team as well and it, it's. Just ready to start, I guess. It's pretty surreal. That's great. Congratulations. Thank you. I've been going out with a girl. Her name is Julie. But last night she said to me when we were watching telly. This is what she said. So that was Julie Johnson there. Now, we talked earlier about pantomime villains. And I think if you're talking about perceived villains on the American women's national team, Abby Wambach, as we mentioned, is one of the names that springs to mind. And for Canadian fans, the other name is Sydney LaRue. Now, we talked about the, the American players that are coming through, and Julie Johnson being one of them. Johnson turned 23 in April. Now, Sydney LaRue, it feels like she's been around this women's team for ages now. She, she made her national team's senior debut in 2011. She just turned 25 in May. And as I'm sure pretty much everyone listening to this podcast will know, she was born in Surrey, British Columbia, Canada. So, yes, a Canadian did lift the World Cup trophy in Vancouver, but she was playing for America. Now... We're not gonna we're not gonna go over all the, the history of LaRue with the Canadian fans. There's been a, a lot of accusations made, there's been abuse directed to her. Some of it has crossed the line, some of the stuff that, that is directed to her at Twitter, it, it goes beyond a number of things. But she hasn't helped herself as well, I would say, with some of the things that she's said and inflammatory comments and of course there's a whole decision of deciding to play for America over her home country. That's for another day, that's for days of old, what's past is past, there's no point really going all over it again. Now LaRue never made an appearance in Sunday's final 
But we did get a chance to speak to her after the game. So Sydney came out and had a chat for for a a good couple of minutes before anyone kind of realised that I was chatting to her. And then a couple of other folk came over. So towards the end of this, you'll hear a couple of questions from from her again. But we we had a chat with with LaRue about what it means to, to win a World Cup in her home country, in her home city, for America. Touched a little bit on... Winning this World Cup kind of justifies the decisions she made. She gets a bit emotional about talking about her childhood and just a a lot of things like that. So, hey, enough from me. Let's just listen to it now. So here is Sydney LaRue. How did it feel being in Vancouver for a World Cup final? You know, um, obviously my role had changed throughout the tournament and there is nothing... I, I mean, after the game, after the final whistle blew, I was bawling. Uh... It's a dream come true, and, and I can't wait to continue with this team and and to continue just being a part of this legacy that we just built, um, winning winning this World Cup. Like being from Canada originally, how did it feel playing a World Cup back in your home country? In not only my home country, the country that I, or the city that I was born in, you know, um, it was wild. Um, obviously, there's a lot of emotion there, um, but my family, my friends, and everyone that that I needed was behind me, so that's all that mattered. What was going through your mindset on the bench? Four goals, 16 minutes. I've never seen anything like that in any game I've ever been to. Oh, I knew that we were going to win. You know, and then they got a goal, and we're like, we can't we can't let up, we can't let up, we can't let up. But I knew. I knew when it was four goals with, like, 16 minutes that, that we were on another level, and, and we weren't going to let anyone get in our way. With some of the abuse that you've had to take from Canadian fans, is this... It never makes it better, but does this kind of make your decision to move to the States? Uh, no matter what, I know my decision was right. Um, for what, for what, at, at the time, what I could do for my family, you know, Canada soccer has moved so much further than, than when I was a child and, and when I made the choice to leave. So, uh, you know, I, I, will never, I will never go back on that decision. Um, I made that decision when I was very young and, and that I knew what I wanted to do and I knew I wanted to, to be a part of this team and I said I wanted to play on the best team in the world and we proved that today. We proved that. that what's that, next for you? What's next for me? Um, the Olympics. Um, the Olympics, having a family um, and, and being happy and, and hopefully continuing to grow women's soccer. How long do you get off now before you go back to your club? And how hard is it to flick that switch from be- playing in front of these crowds to going back to club football? Yeah, um, you know, we're, we're going to take some time. We need some time. It's been a, a tough two months. So um, we're going to go and be with our families. Um, I'm, I get to be with my husband for more than two days at a time, so I'm very excited for that. But I'm also excited to play football, um, football again. So... Uh, I think that the NWSL people are really going to start to come to the games because of um, what we did here, so it only helps. You're a champion in your hometown, Vancouver. Well, sorry, how does it feel? Um, I could not be happier. You know, I did. I know I didn't uh, get the minutes, and but it took 23 of us, and I I couldn't stop crying because it, it is something that I gave up a long time ago. And it has been a hard road. Um, and, you know, we... I'm getting emotional. Um, 
you know, I, I hugged my mom and, and she said that we did it. You know, we, we made it and, uh, you know, growing up where, where I grew up and how I grew up um, and now being a world champion, there's, there's no better feeling than that. So it was a very emotional Sidney LaRue there, and I have to say it's like, you, you draw ideas of what people are like from reading stuff online, and like, talking to LaRue, she she was lovely, like, she, she was a really sweet girl, very emotional, caught up in the whole moment, and Canadian fans are never going to forgive her, I totally get that, if a Scottish person chose to play for England, I'd never forgive them either, but... I think at the end of the day, we do have to kind of remember that when it all said and done, this is like a, a human being we're talking about and a really sweet one at that. But I'm sure some of you will be shouting abuse at the the radio or the iTunes player just now with that. So let's just move on and wrap this show up. So this has been episode 118 of the AFTN podcast. As I said at the start of the show, episode 119 is going to be coming pretty darn quick. And we're going to kind of have a, a kind of review of, of how the tournament's been. We're going to speak to Harjit Jahal from Equalizer Soccer. We're also going to speak to Grant Wall from SI.com and Fox Sports. And we're going to speak to Daniel Squizato from Canadian Soccer News and MLS Soccer about some future Canadian stuff that's coming up and have a little look ahead to the Gold Cup that is starting basically now. So... Thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. This has been a a little bit of a different kind of podcast for us, focusing solely on the American women. Congratulations to them. I think you kind of have to say, as the tournament went on, the Americans were getting stronger and stronger, building up the momentum, while other teams kind of flagged. They seemed to find their strength, and they were very deserved winners at the end of the day. Don't want to get too smug, but I did tip them to to win the tournament in our preview podcast. So, there there is that. But anyway, if you've enjoyed this podcast, check out our other ones. Check out also all our work on the Women's World Cup and the Whitecaps, MLS, soccer in general on AFTN.ca. You can follow us on Twitter at AFTN Canada. And just watch out for our next podcast our final Women's World Cup special as we just wrap up what's been a fantastic month and a great success for Canada and for women's football. Until next time, goodbye. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.